Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. What are some ways to keep yourself and your family and your loved ones, especially the, the little people in your life, uh, healthy as we head back to school? What are some things that physicians are looking out for during this school year? Dr. Scott Dankin is on the line with us. He is the medical director of UPMC Partners in Health. Uh, he practices at UPMC East and UPMC McKeesport, and he is a family medicine doctor. He's on the phone with us this morning. Uh, good morning, Dr. Dankin. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, th- thank you for taking some time to talk with you. I know this has got to be a busy time of year. You're probably doing a lot of back-to-school physicals and that kind of thing. But l- let me – I introduced you by saying every teacher that I know, every parent that I know uh, has had that experience of one kid in the class gets, gets a cold or a virus, and then pretty soon everybody gets a cold or a virus. Why are classrooms such good environments for, for s- spreading germs? That's, uh, that's absolutely true. And unfortunately, we all know that uh, all too well, especially after the last several years. But we, uh, we see some increased incidence of, uh, of infections anytime that people are congregated together. And especially when you have kids, which, you know, we were all kids once. We may not have been as, as good about washing our hands at that point in time. Um, so anytime that you have a bunch of kids in a relatively small area, we tend to see uh, a rise in infections, but there are certain ways to, uh, to combat that. So uh, washing your hands is a, is a big one. Uh, germs are unfortunately lurking everywhere. And uh, washing your hands with, with warm water and soap uh, for about 20 to 30 seconds at a time. Anytime uh, that you've had significant contact with, um, with other kids or before you're about to eat or after you're, you're coming back from recess, all those would be good times to wash your hands in order to limit the spread of any infection. And, and that is, I would assume, especially for um, the, the little, little kids, although some of us older kids are not good at washing our hands either, as we've learned. Uh, <laughs> the, everything goes in the mouth or everything is, is for tasting, especially for the preschool, uh, kindergarten, maybe even first and, and second grade. But is there anything about kids' immune systems in particular that, that makes them susceptible for one gets sick, everybody gets sick? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So unfortunately, we, uh, we test a lot of things out with our mouths at, at young ages. And we know that that's an easy way for germs to enter the body and, and to ultimately make us sick. Um, but kids, while they're, they're born with, with good immune systems and they're very effective at fighting things off, they just haven't had a lot of exposure to these different viruses and bacteria that are out there. And so um, you may hear a lot of stories about teachers, um, you know, their first year or two that they're out teaching, they get sick a lot. Uh, but once they've been exposed to a lot of these things, they tend to build up a, a good immunity to them. And, and that's what we're really experiencing um, as, uh, as kids. You know, the first, uh, the first year in preschool or in daycare can be a little bit tougher and uh, kids are, are often having more infections than they will uh, after they've been there for a period of time. 
We're, we're talking with Dr. Scott Dakin. He's a family medicine doctor, medical director of UPMC Partners in Health. Uh, he practices mostly in the Murraysville, Monroeville, North Huntington area, but he is admitted at UPMC, UPMC East and UPMC McKeesport Hospitals. Um, we're talking about getting back to school and, and, and what that might mean for families as they get ready for back to school. You mentioned, of course, uh, hand washing is important um, and, and practicing good hygiene practices is important for, for keeping our kids healthy when they're, when they're back to school. And again, that includes even the, the young adults and the older kids as well. Uh, what role do things like nutrition and good sleep habits play in keeping kids healthy when they're back in school? A great question. So <clears throat> nutrition and sleep are essential for, uh, for optimizing our, our daily function, you know, especially for kids that are, they're going to school on a daily basis and um, having to, uh, you know, having to learn a significant amount of material in order for their, their brains to process that and their memory to develop um, everything that needs to be done. It's important that they're getting proper sleep and nutrition. So what we often recommend um, for, uh, for sleep, and it, it differs depending on the age of the child, but if they're in elementary school, uh, anywhere from normally 9 to 12 hours of sleep per night, and then if they're uh, a teenager uh, or in high school, uh, we, uh, we see a little bit uh, – a little bit less need for um, for those 11, 12-hour sleep cycles, but something along the, the lines of 8 to 10 hours a night uh, is often sufficient. And then from a, uh, a nutrition standpoint, you know, it's really all about getting as much real food in you as you can. Um, so limiting processed foods, foods that have added sugar in them. And granted, we all live in the real world. We're all going to have some processed foods from time to time. But if we can maximize for for our given daily diet, the amount of real food uh, that we uh, that we take in, and limit the amount of processed food, we're norm- normally going to be in pretty good shape. Um, so your real foods being your your fruits, your vegetables, uh, whole grains, dairy, lean meats, seafoods, uh, oils, things of that nature, um, are all really good options to give your body the the fuel it needs to operate properly. What's the role of physical activity as well? Because when I, I'm old enough, when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, that we were still doing the President's Commission on Physical Fitness, which is think, something I think had come out of uh, the Kennedy administration, for goodness sakes. But we were still doing, you know, morning exercises and morning stretches and things like that. How important is, is physical activity as well to, to good wellness for, for young people? Yes, yes, I remember those days as well. Um, so it's, it's very important. We know that your body uh, won't function at its best levels if we're just sitting around all day. You know, we were made to be active. Uh, and so for kids getting uh, about 60 minutes worth of, of some kind of activity daily is ideal. Um, now, it doesn't all have to be at once. Uh, and, and certainly the, the walking um, that they do throughout the day can be part of their activity. But, um, you know, getting uh, getting a recess se- session in, uh, a uh, a gym session, uh, maybe some, some sports or other activities before or after school, uh, and then just staying active throughout the day. You know, we, uh, we like to see kids not sitting or lying around for more than an hour at a time. So getting up and, and moving around on a, a relatively continuous basis is useful for, for the mind, for, uh, for learning, and just for overall fitness and, uh, and health reasons. 
I, I want to ask you, we've got a break coming up in a little while, and I want to ask you after the break about um, things like screen time, phone time, social media, because I know a number of physicians are, are kind of raising some, some red flags uh, about that that they're seeing, especially in younger patients. Dr. Scott Dakin is uh, on the line with us. He's a family medicine practitioner at UPMC Partners in Health uh, at UPMC East and UPMC McKeesport. But let's uh, continue. The, we were talking about nutrition, sleep habits, uh, physical activity. You mentioned in terms of the learning environment, how, how, does, how do these things affect learning? I mean, is it, what's the correlation between nutrition and good health and then things like standardized test scores or, or just getting good grades? Sure, sure. So I think we've all probably you know, run into a situation where maybe we're, we're more aware of it as adults, but if we have you know, a particular stretch where we're not eating very healthfully, um, you know, we may notice that we just don't, we don't operate cognitively as well as, as well as we may when we're eating healthily. Maybe our memory doesn't function quite as well, or we're just not at the, you know, the tip top of our, our normal work performance. Um, and we see the same thing in kids. If, uh, if they're taking in foods that are overly processed, have a high sugar diet, not getting the the fruits and vegetables and meats and all the minerals and nutrients that come with those foods, uh, we see scores can flip or, or just overall cognitive function and memory isn't at the level where we would expect it to be. Um, but the, the nice thing is, is, you know, this is all, uh, all fixable to an extent. And it's, it's not easy to, to plan out meals, to cook every night. Um, and again, we all live in the real world and we're going to have processed food in their diet for some time um, at times. But if we can uh, increase you know, the percentage of our meals that incorporate real food, we'll tend to uh, operate you know, at our maximum capacity uh, cognitively and we'll normally see better test results, uh, better scores, and, and things of that nature. And, and I, I suppose this is one of the reasons why so many school districts now, in fact, probably most of them, but so many of them offer uh, uh, hot breakfast and, and hot lunch for kids, especially kids on lower income, because is there a correlation between getting to school on time, getting that hot breakfast, and then doing well on the test or on the homework? That's exactly right. And that's been a great, a great advancement that we've seen. Um, you know, as much as 50% or more of a, a child's calories are often coming from school. Uh, so providing those, those healthy options to start out the day well, make sure that a child isn't, um, isn't going without, you know, the proper caloric intake so they have the energy and stamina to, to get through the day. Um, and then to, you know, to give them, all their uh, all their nutrition needs just to, to grow and develop uh, properly. That's been again a great thing that we've seen over the years that uh, that schools have done. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about this uh, social media screen time uh, questions that that a lot of parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles have, and also uh, want to ask you a little bit more about your background and how you came to be pursuing a career in, in family medicine. Okay. Sounds great. Look forward to it. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate 
professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Strifflers offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Strifflers also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. How did you... How long have you been a family medicine practitioner, and what made you decide to pursue a career in medicine in the first place? Sure. So I've uh, been a family medicine physician for about four years now. Uh, I did my training up in Erie, PA, at a school called Lecom, yep. and um, most of my hospital training at Mill Creek Community Hospital, as well as um, UPMC Hammett. And... Uh, Ultimately, medicine was a, a bit of a second career for me. Um, I originally went to work for the government after undergrad and uh, worked in the national security sector for several years, uh, which was very interesting um, and uh, enjoyed my time there. But ultimately, uh, you know, like a lot of uh, medical students and, and doctors out there, felt the need to give back to my community in a different way and wanted to uh, help people uh, in, a, uh, in a direct fashion. And I thought medicine was a good way to go about that. Uh, I was fortunate to um, you know, to get into the, the program at LeCom and really enjoyed my time there. Got great training and uh, was ultimately very fortunate to come back to the Murraysville area where I grew up. And uh, it's been a great couple of years here that I've been practicing. And uh, it's been nice to, to reconnect um, with uh, some of the families that I grew up with uh, to be able to help them along the way. This is kind of off the topic of what we're talking about, which is back to school health. But it, it's curious to me, there's kind of a dichotomy that family medicine, I think, is what most people think of when they think of doctor. They think of their family doctor, their general practitioner. Um, and it, certainly that's in the media oftentimes. Those, that's the kind of doctors that are depicted. But yet there's a shortage we know of, of family medicine doctors. Have, have, have you noticed that as well? And, and do you have any ideas for how to encourage more people to pursue uh, family medicine? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, it's unfortunate, but we are seeing a, a shortage of, of primary care, family medicine, even internal medicine, pediatrics. Uh, doctors across the country. Um, and I know this is something that the government uh, at all levels is, is aware of and working on legislation and different things to, uh, to help improve those levels. It's something that medical schools are certainly aware of and uh, are looking to you know, promote students going into those fields because they are so needed. Uh, we've seen legislation and, and medical schools come up with Different, uh, different ways to, to promote those specialties. Um, a lot of it has been loan forgiveness based. Uh, so most med students take on a, a significant loan burden uh, in order to um, in order to uh, become doctors. And um, there's uh, there's been some programs out there that have helped to reduce that, um, so that uh, when they come out of school and you know they're working as a primary care doctor and not possibly not making the same income as, say, a surgeon or, or some of the other subspecialties, uh, they still have the opportunity to, to pay off uh, reasonable loans and, and have a, um, a, good, uh, a good life. There also may be a quality of life trade-off, too. I've, I've come to know my own family doctor, and then his, his trade-off is he goes home for supper most nights and, and gets to pursue his uh, other outside interests in addition to maintaining his practice. So that that's is one trade-off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So one of the nice things about outpatient primary care is 
your call schedules are, are probably um, a little bit less than, say, some of your in-hospital in specialists or subspecialists. Uh, so as far as having a family and, and being able to pursue those, those hobbies and interests, uh, this is a really good um, a really good way to, uh, to practice medicine and be able to do those other things. We're talking about back-to-school health. Before I get back to that, though, I have one more question because I, this, I think this comes up a lot because I know my family doctor, I, uh, he's got D.O. after his name rather than M.D. Is there any f- practical difference that, that the general public is going to notice between someone who has an M.D. degree and a D.O. degree? Sure. So one of the, the biggest differences, um, while much of the training mirrors each other, uh, we all go through the, the same information, take the same tests, and, and train at the same hospitals. Uh, the DO programs, like LECOM, um, do some extra training and uh, manipulative techniques uh, that may be similar to some of the techniques that uh, physical therapists or chiropractors use kind of a, a musculoskeletal medicine training. Um, so that was one of the things that, that drew me to, um, to the, the DO route, um, having maybe an extra skill set uh, that, uh, that could help patients. And you know, I know uh, the other DOs out there have, have really benefited from that, as have their patients. But, but they, they provide the same diagnostic, uh, diagnostic care. They provide the same uh, prescrib- prescribing care. They, prescribe, they provide the same uh, examination care. You're, you're exactly okay. right. Okay. Um, so along with the, those, um, those training um, between DO and MD, they, they parallel each other, and they ultimately get us to the same point where we're all um, using the same tests and the same diagnostic methods and uh, the same treatments to, to get our patients better. So let's let's d- dive back into our back to school questions. And one of them that that I know a lot of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles are concerned about, but healthcare practitioners as well, is how much screen time uh, kids are getting, how much time they're spending either playing video games. Uh, listen, how old I am? Video games, playing games online or working on social media. Um, what, what, what is a red flag to you as a physician in terms of how much time uh, a, a, a young person is spending uh, on a screen? Sure, yeah, and I remember those days of video games as well, but it seems like a lot has changed, um, and there uh, there's more opportunities for, for things these days um, as far as online games and social media. Um, a lot more time that that uh, kids can spend online um, if they uh, if they want or are able to, and I don't think all of that is bad by any means. Uh, but we certainly want to keep it in check. Um, if it gets to the point where it's negatively affecting uh, a uh, a child's growth and development, and that they're not out playing or being active for those that sixty minutes a day that we were talking about, uh, then you know, reining back on on screen time and increasing uh, physical activity may be worthwhile for uh, for the child's proper growth and development. Let's pause right there. When we come back, I, the time goes quickly. I want to ask you about some of the common childhood uh, illnesses or ailments that maybe you see in, in your practice. I also want to ask you about a four-letter word 
it's called lice. And then about the back-to-school checkup process, okay? Sounds great. Scott Dakin is a family medicine doctor. He's medical director of UPMC Partners in Health. We're talking about getting your young person ready to go back to school, whether that's in K-12 through or maybe uh, college or university. And we'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. Support for this broadcast comes from the City of McKeesport Fair Housing Office. Fair housing is your right, and the Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination in housing because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, gender identity, sexual orientation, family status, or disability. That includes renting or buying a home, getting a mortgage, seeking housing assistance, or engaging in other housing-related activities. For more information about Fair Housing Act protections in the city of McKeesport, call 412-675-5020, extension 635. For a final few with Dr. Scott Dakin. He's a family medicine doctor with UPMC. Parents get that note sometimes, and it's got that dreaded four-letter word, lice on it. What do, what do parents need to know? I can remember panic going through grade school when I was a kid uh, that some kid had gone home with lice. Um, what do parents need to know about this this pesky little lices? Leases. Sure, yeah. It's uh, nobody's favorite word, certainly, uh, but it happens and it is treatable. That's the biggest thing. Uh, so if, um, if uh, there's a child that uh, is found to have lice, uh, please contact your physician and um, and they can take care of it in a uh, in a quick manner. Um, and, yeah, as far as uh, some of the the common childhood uh, infections yeah. that you had talked about, we we see a, a lot of different things, but most commonly, uh, probably the upper respiratory infection that's often viral in nature, where the uh, the child comes home with maybe some runny nose or. Uh, or a little bit of a temperature, maybe just kind of feels a little off. Uh, we, we see some coughs uh, along with those symptoms oftentimes. And <laughs> as far as a, uh, a treatment standpoint, most of the time, if this is a virus, it will pass over the course of 48 to 72 hours and just keeping the child comfortable, maybe some Tylenol or ibuprofen if they're running a bit of a fever. Uh, but it's always worthwhile um, at the, the first sign of those symptoms you know, to contact your doctor and, and see if, if they recommend that you're seen or whether just conservative measures uh, over the phone or something along those lines can, uh, can take care of it. There was a, a problem uh, maybe 10 or 20 years ago with, with overprescription of antibiotics. It may still be a, a problem. I know and the rumor was that parents were often asking for antibiotics for kids to treat viral uh, infections. Antibiotics don't do anything for a virus. You're absolutely right. Um, viruses typically get better on their own uh, over the course of a several-day period. And if you're taking an antibiotic, um, you know, while that's not the reason that you're getting better, I think we were seeing uh, some folks associate getting better with taking that antibiotic, even though it, it may have not been prescribed correctly. Uh, so we, this is something that we're focusing on moving forward. The antibiotics that we have um, can lose their effectiveness to an extent if they're used improperly. So we want to make sure that we're using them for the right purposes uh, and that we educate you know, our, um, our patients uh, that there are things out there um, that don't require antibiotics that can make us feel like we're sick and, and they're normally viruses. Uh, and uh, physicians are <clears throat> trained to you know, determine which is which. And, and that's why reaching out to your doctor Whenever you're you're coming down with something or you're having some some illness type symptoms is worthwhile so that we can differentiate. Let, let me ask about that virus that we we are, have have grown to to 
to hate, uh, and that is the one that shut schools down here uh, a, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I keep telling people that uh, we may be done with COVID, but it doesn't seem like COVID is done with us. I know two people recently who tested positive and had to take some time off of work. Um, are you expecting to see uh, more COVID cases um, as school opens back up again? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, you know, we have seen a rise in cases over the course of the uh, the end of the summer here. Uh, the data has been some, somewhat um, improved, I guess you could say, from what we experienced the first year or two of COVID, where we were seeing such high levels of hospitalization and, and ultimately mortality. Uh, I think the, the fact that uh, we have uh, strong vaccination rates for much of the country, uh, as well as most of us have probably been exposed or had COVID at some point in time, um, if not multiple times. And all that helps to, to build up population immunity. We know that the COVID virus, like, like many viruses, mutates on a regular basis. And um, while we're always keeping up a, a close guard, some of those mutations have seem to be to, uh, to less violent or, or less severe forms. Um, but, uh, but this is something that, that we're going to have to be cognizant of moving forward and taking all the measures that we can, like, like we were talking about washing hands earlier and, and not putting things in your mouth. Um, you know, basic sanitary measures can, can really help uh, to decrease the spread of not only uh, a virus like COVID, but, but a lot of the illnesses out there. And, and probably also, if you can, staying home from school or staying home from work uh, if you're sick. Exactly. Exactly. So there was, um, you know, there was probably one of the <clears throat> the beneficial things that had come out of all of this is um, you know, going to work while sick has really fallen out of favor because we know <laughs> we can we can do harm um, to uh, to others and <clears throat> you know stopping the spread of uh, of any illness is is worthwhile. You must be a pirates fan because you're a true optimist uh, that, that something good came, <laughs> something good came out of COVID. In the couple minutes we have left, um, many schools require a, a checkup, a physical checkup before kids go back to school. How should parents uh, get ready for that checkup, and what should they expect? Absolutely, yeah. So that's uh, that's a big thing that we focus on this time of year. Uh, we're seeing more and more wellness checks, which is great. Uh, so if your child has, has not had a well child check um, within the last year, now's a great time to call your doctor and, uh, and schedule a back-to-school physical. Um, and during that time, the physician will, will examine your child and uh, make sure that their growth and development is on track, um, you know, answer any questions or concerns that you may have, and make sure that uh, your child is up-to-date with uh, vaccinations. Uh, vaccinations can help protect children and, uh, and teens as they grow into adulthood. Um, it can also help protect not only them, but their, their classmates, friends, uh, relatives, and, and others in the community at large from, uh, from illnesses. Dr. Scott Dakin is a family medicine practitioner. He is medical director of UPMC Partners in Health. You can find out more about them by going to providers.upmc.com. Uh, w- w- final thoughts, final words um, uh, the, of advice for staying well, and especially, again, keeping your, your K-12 through student or your college or university student uh, healthy and well uh, this fall and spring semesters. Yeah, so um, to the, the biggest points to, to hit on are, Make sure that your uh, your child is getting enough sleep, um, eating as healthfully as possible, staying active. If they haven't seen their doctor within the last year, um, please schedule an appointment for them. 
And really just keeping an open line of communication with your child. Um, you know, mental health is such an important thing these days. Uh, and uh, making sure your, your child's doing well and, uh, <clears throat> and is, is comfortable with, with the path that they're heading down and they're not having um, too much trouble with anything, I think is a, a worthwhile conversation to have from time to time. I, you know, you, you brought that up, and I know we're at the end of the, of the half hour, but uh, that seems to be – that's a good point um, to, to keep in mind that we, we are reading a lot in the media that, that students, young people, are, are facing a lot of anxiety. They, they, they see the same news that adults see. They see the same things happening maybe in their neighborhoods that adults are seeing, and, and they're not sure how to process it. Um, if, if a parent is not sure how to have that conversation with the kid directly – they can have it with their physician, is what you're saying? That's absolutely right. So that's um, that's where we, we fit into to all this, um, especially with, with mental health. So um, if there's a, um, you know, a concern that that conversation is, is better had with the physician or there was something that came out of that conversation, which is, is worrisome and, um, and a physician can, can play a part in, in further evaluation, uh, we are uh, we are always there for uh, for the child or the or the patient. See, um, we have seen an increased incidence of, of things like anxiety, like you mentioned, and uh, there are an increased amount of, of resources for mental health, whether it be therapists or social workers or or many other resources um, that can be uh, can be helpful for for kids struggling with these things. We've been talking with Scott, Dr. Scott Dakin this morning. He's a family medicine doctor with uh, UPMC. He practices at UPMC East and UPMC McKeesport Hospitals. He's also medical director at UPMC Partners in Health. Dr. Dakin, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us this morning. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinion expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.